Hello everyone and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters Europe, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host today, Philippe Durand of the Paris law firm Auguste de Bouzy. In this series of podcasts, we will be looking at specific issues affecting businesses and organizations in European countries that have been impacted by the spread of the coronavirus. In addition to discussing the important stories and events happening in these countries, we're also fortunate to have the chance to dial in our local ELA lawyers that practice in these jurisdictions and are working daily to help their local clients move through these difficult times. Joining us today on the program is Ignacio Delfre Lopez, partner at the law firm Gomez Acebo y Pombo in Spain. Ignacio is joining us today from his office uh, in Madrid. I think you are in your office in Madrid today. That's correct. And Ignacio, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Ignacio, I think the first question that really would cross my mind is how would you describe the general pandemic situation in Spain at this very moment? Well, Spain has been one of the worst hit countries, not only due to the number of cases and deaths, but the country's economy too, because as you know, Spain's main income comes from tourism. So the the country, we were in in a a total lockdown from mid-March to May. And after this period, all all the shops, bar and restaurants reopened with with certain uh, restrictions regarding capacity, especially. However, during the summer, the number of cases gradually increased, and, and since September, we are in what they so-called, and uh, they called it the second wave of the, of the pandemic, where some regions have been totally or partially confined. Ignacio, I'm not surprised to hear that, because surely Spain has been badly hit uh, in Europe, a bit like Italy and, and France. So um, the situation you're, you're describing is not really surprising. Now... I would be curious to hear you about the way the Spanish government has uh, approved any employment measures to help the Spanish companies to go over this very difficult situation. I mean, the goal or the purpose of the Spanish government during the pandemic has always been to to facilitate the temporary layoffs with what we so-called ERTES, Expedientes de Regulación Temporal de Empleo, in order to avoid terminations, in order to avoid the dismissals. With this process, Companies can suspend the employment contracts or reduce the working time so that the companies can save the employees' salaries while at the same time the employees receive a social security and employment subsidy from, from the government. In addition, at the same time, the government has approved different aids and, and social security benefits for companies which have applied these earthers, these temporary layoffs in order to save all or part of the employee social security contributions. Well, this is quite interesting because actually I know that in the UK, furlough schemes is pretty similar. And in France as well, we've got this uh, activité partielle or chômage partiel schemes, which are pretty similar, at least in the spirit, with uh, the, the schemes you just described for Spain, in fact. Now, Ignacio, could you please say a few words for the audience today about the kind of temporary layoffs or ERTES you would have in Spain in place at the moment? Well, there are mainly two different types of, of ERTE, if you allow me to, to, to refer to this process in the, in the Spanish version. Um, on the one hand, we have 
The earth is due to force major, which can be applicable when, when the company's activity cannot carry out as a consequence of the COVID-19. Typical example is in, in the case of, of closure of the company's activity or when the employees uh, become infected. Although the situation, and there have been different types of RTD to force major, currently we have two main types of RTD to force major. First one is improvement RT, when a company cannot carry out its activity due to public health restrictions approved after the 1st of October. And on the second hand, we have the limitation earthes when a company's activity is just limited due to these public health restrictions that could have been approved before or after October 1st. Apart from the earth due to force major, we have the typical earth, what we call the, the, the earth due to redundancy grounds, which is the, the temporary layoff, which is based on economic, technical, organizational, or productive reasons linked to COVID-19. In this case, typical example, for example, is when a company sees a reduction of the, of the sales as a consequence of, of the pandemic. Ignacio, I think we'll have the opportunity to come back a bit later about the redundancy grounds or temporary layoffs. I would like to spend a few minutes with you now about this force majeure concept, because it's quite interesting in France, for example, there's a big legal controversy as to whether or not force majeure would apply to a COVID context. And the general trend is, the general answer is more like no. But coming back to Spain, could you expand a little bit on the formalities of an RT, as you explained, that would be due, that would be based on force majeure. Yeah, so in this case, in the case of an RT due to force majeure, the process will be, we can say that it's pretty simple, okay? The first important thing to highlight is that there is no obligations to negotiate with the employees' legal representatives, nor with the employees themselves. There is just an, an obligation to inform them, but not to consult or negotiate with them. Again, the process is pretty simple. The company just has to submit an application to the relevant labor authorities asking for the, for the ERTE and proving the reasons for, for its application. And in this case, the labor authorities should approve, expressly approve the, the ERTE, and companies cannot unilaterally implement the suspension of the employment contracts or the reduction of the working time without this authorization. The process is very, very fast. The labor authorities will have a period of just five working days to authorize or reject the ERTE. And this is very important if they do not issue a formal answer within this legal period, the application will be considered tacitly accepted. One of the main advantages or another advantage of this kind of process is that the ERTE can have retroactive effects if, if there is a justification, okay? And there are currently different Social security benefits for the company depending on its size. If companies have more or less than 50 employees, there are different social security benefits. Well, obviously, Ignacio, the Spanish government is putting a lot of money on the table, like in many other European countries. Could we now turn to the formalities that would be applicable to an ERTE that would be based on or due to redundancy grounds, please? Yes, I mean, in this case, and contrary to the RTD to force measure, the process is a little bit more complicated because there is an express obligation to negotiate with the employees' legal representatives. 
there is a new process now, and, and a new regulation has been approved. And in this kind of orders, if there are no employees, legal representatives within the company, the company must contact the most representative unions of the company sector, so that they can appoint the members to negotiate during the round of talks. And only if these unions do not appoint any member, then the employees themselves should appoint three members to negotiate with the company. The process, as mentioned before, is a little bit more complicated because there is a, a round of talks, as we say here in Spain, or a pre-off negotiation, we can say, with a maximum duration of seven calendar days. And after this negotiation, even if this round of talks ends with or without an agreement, companies can implement the, the suspension of the employment contracts or the reduction of the working time, just informing the relevant labor authorities, the unions, and the affected employees. Contrary to the ERTE due to force major, the labor authorities should not approve the ERTE. It's just an information obligation, and companies can unilaterally implement this process after, of course, fulfilling the legal process. And in this case, one of, one of the main disadvantages is that the, the suspension and the reductions cannot have uh, retroactive effects, and there are no, currently there are no social security benefits for this kind of, of process. And that's interesting because the spirit of the measures you are describing are very similar to what we see in France, for example, although the process and the conditions are quite different. Now, there's a question that would always cross people's mind, i.e., if a Spanish company would apply for an ERTE, should that Spanish company not expect some kind of any other employment commitment or restrictions that would be asked by the Spanish government from such company. In other words, what sort of promise do you have to make in exchange? And I'm, and I'm sure there are some, of course. Yes, as you can imagine, nothing is for free, as we say here in Spain. I mean, companies which apply for, for an earthy and receive social security contributions are obliged to maintain the suspended employees during that period of six months from the resumption of the activity. And this resumption of the activity understood as the time when the people affected by the earth return to provide services. Unfortunately, the law is not very clear and it is not clear if safe period of six months starts for everyone when the first employee returns to work, let's say from the resumption of the whole activity, or if it is an individual period in the sense that every employee has this six months protection after his or her readmission. Again, the, the law is not very clear. We define the first option that is applicable for all the employees, but the law, the law is not very clear. Of course, as you can imagine, there are different exceptions to this commitment. A firm disciplinary dismissal will not count for this purpose nor the retirements and voluntary leaves, employees' death, these kind of situations. But this is very important because companies cannot carry out redundancy dismissals or terminations without a good cause, just paying the legal termination compensation, which in practice are the majority of the dismissals in Spain. Just to conclude this point, if the companies do not fulfill these obligations, they will be obliged to return all the social security benefits already received, and companies can also be fined by labor authorities. 
Ah, that, that's a certainly an incentive to behave or, or to make sure that you have clarified your own situation before taking any steps in that direction. And actually, when you think of the French situation, we also have a bit of a gray area around these kind of sanctions. But anyway, I wanted to hear you now, please, about a very blatant question. At the end of the day, Ignacio, would you say that Spanish companies can really dismiss today uh, staff on the basis of COVID-19? Well, this is a good question. And the answer, uh, the current answer is no. Um, there, is, there is currently a prohibition to dismiss based on forced measure or redundancy grounds to link to the COVID-19 situation, to the pandemic, until next 31st of January 2021. Although it is likely that the Spanish government uh, will extend this, this provision beyond January, okay? I think there are other countries in Europe that have similar prohibitions. I think Italy, I don't know France, but I'm sure that Italy has these prohibitions to dismiss based on redundancy grounds linked to the COVID-19. Again, and unfortunately, the, the labor lawyers, we have a lot of uh, work and nowadays because the law does not establish, this is a problem for us because the law does not establish the legal consequence of dismissing. And there has been, at least in Spain, contradictory judicial resolutions. So there are people who defend that the dismissal should be declared unfair, which mainly implies the payment of a termination compensation of 33 days of salary per year of seniority. And there are others, and this is very dangerous, to sustain that the dismissal should be declared null and void with the obligation to readmit the employee with, with back pay. Again, we are of the opinion that the consequence should be the unfairness of the dismissal and not, not the nullity and the voidness of the termination, but it is not very clear and, and some Spanish courts have adopted a different solutions. Uh, actually, Ignacio, we do have the same um, distinction between unfair dismissal and dismissal that would be null and void. And of course, null and void means reinstatement. And that's, I think, was a good point on your side to, to stress the, this big difference between, uh, between the two. The reason why I was actually asking you that question is because we believe in France that uh, prohibition against dismissal would be against the Constitution. And that's the reason why the French government has not been so blatant about it. But uh, I, I do hear what you're saying about Spain, which was quite uh, interesting. Now, listen, by way of conclusion, would you think of any other relevant uh, regulation that would be of uh, interest today to the audience and that would have been approved by the Spanish government during uh, the pandemic? Well, this has been a very intensive period for the labor lawyers. I think that the Spanish government has approved at least 2025 royal decrees with employment provisions. But apart from, from those regulations mentioned before regarding the earth, the Spanish government has approved another important royal decree regulating the working from home. We didn't have a special regulation for the employees who work from home, and now we have a regulation. The main aspect of this new law is that uh, companies are now obliged to sign an individual agreement with the employees regarding working from home. And amongst other matters, it is important to mention that this agreement must contain, for example, and this is important, the means and equipment that the company must put at the employee's disposal, such as the laptop, the, the, the cell phone, and things like that. And especially, and this is very important, and there is a, a big discussion here in Spain, the company 
of this this agreement should also contain the expenses that should be paid by the by the company to the employees covering the extra cost that the working from home causes the employee and we are referring here to the extra cost for internet for example electricity things like that the law does not mention any specific things but but we are mentioning about internet electricity on the other hand one of the main advantages of this new law is that working from home is is voluntary for for both parties so the companies cannot impose it unilaterally the company cannot unilaterally send the employees to work from their home but on the other hand and this is very positive for the companies the companies are not obliged to accept an employee's request to work from home well obviously we've got the same type of issues um, in the rest of europe and particularly in france about home office and uh, that's a common theme of concern for employers on both sides uh, of the pyrenees uh, obviously Listen, Ignacio, I think it was very interesting to have you today on this podcast. And if you would like to connect with Ignacio del Frel Lopez from Spain or any of our lawyers around the globe, please search for them on the ELA website at ELA.law, that's L-A-W, of course, where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online or access the ELA's exclusive global employer handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters Europe, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Philippe Durand, and thank you for listening today.